Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Anything better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. <laughs> Everyone's favorite time of the year is right around the corner college football season. To celebrate DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app is putting new players in the center of the action. With $200 in free bets instantly if you bet $1 or more on any college football game. Take advantage of this limited time offer now. You heard that right. DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more on any college football game, no matter what. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all of the great promotions and daily odds boosts that they are offering. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable, located right here in the United States, so it's easy to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any college football game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbooks. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. And welcome to the 4th Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 133 of the big show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Hump Day Wednesday. Battling it out. We're almost there. A couple more days to the weekend. And uh, welcome. Thank you for tuning in to uh, to this uh, pretend radio, to audio pleasure here. Close your eyes, sit back, and watch the sights and the sounds as they fly through the air. Got a cool guest for you today. Another returning guest in my five toughest opponent series. None other than Pistol Pete Vandermeer. 
And I'm really, uh, really looking. I'm again. I'm putting the cart before the horse. I'm talking to Pete in about an hour. This is uh, we're on the we're on the clock here. Last uh, last second uh, uh, episodes here, folks. Um, talked to Pete a couple days ago. Asked if he could do it today. He was gracious enough to uh, to do so. Um, so I'm really looking forward to talking to him again. Great guest. Uh, for those of you who want to check out, uh, I I highly recommend going back and listening to my full length interview with Pete which would be episode 67, and we cover his entire career from uh, Red Deer all the way up through Pro, and uh, just a lot of fun to talk to, and, and like I said, I, I like to get the uh, get the guys back on the show and, and do the five toughest opponents. I mean, I guess in some ways it's sort of like uh, regurgitating, because the names he, I don't know what names he's going to bring up, because like, again, I haven't talked to him yet uh, as I'm doing this intro, but um, I'm sure the names he'll bring up, we discussed, Um when I had him on the show, unless he throws me a big curveball, but, uh, this is more just an, um, um, like it's centered around those five, right? So we can go a little more in depth on each guy and maybe what caused it or, you know, on how he approaches it and that type of thing. So really looking forward to doing that. I've enjoyed all the, the series. It's a little, little shorter than the two hour marathons, uh, for the interviews, but, um, yeah, it's kind of a, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes, depending on how long the guy wants to talk for. Um, you know, kind of in and out type of thing. And, uh, you know, you can, you can do it while you're on the treadmill or on break. If you're listening to this while you're on break, sitting in the, uh, in the lunchroom or back at your cubicle, uh, eating your, your uh, Ramon noodles and, uh, trying to avoid Janice as, uh, you know, you know, she's going to talk to you about her, uh, her weekend plans, uh, you know, playing gin rummy at her, uh, grandma's house. So, I'm looking out the window here. We're actually getting a little bit of rain here, which is a rarity this summer. Um, in all seriousness, though, I know I have listeners. I have friends out in BC. Hope you guys are staying safe. I was watching the news there. I saw the stuff in Kelowna and and uh, uh, Merritt and all that. Nah, it's just terrible. Can't even imagine the destruction to the homes and to all those orchards and the vineyards. And I mean, that's, you know, some of that stuff, that's family legacy. Some of that stuff that, that is going to be burned and, uh, terrible. Yes. And, uh, such as it is, I mean, mother nature is angry right now and we've had a lot of smoke in the air here. It's smoky again today and actually it wasn't very warm today. Again, another rarity. I mean, it seems to be a 30 some every day here. But a little cooler today, but really, uh, really keeping, uh, really thinking of you guys out in BC and stuff and, 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 and Alberta and, uh, you know, hope you, hope everyone's doing well. And, uh, yeah, that's tough sledding, uh, you know, so I'm not going to, uh, cry about a little smoke here, that's for sure. But, uh, for a little while, hopefully you can get you some, uh, get your, get your mind off it and, uh, enjoy the show. Um, I want to thank everybody who tuned in to Sunday's episode. It was a little late, but uh, Sunday's episode. Um, yeah, uh, I know I've gotten a few messages about, uh, you know, my discussion or my talk about uh, my issues with uh, a certain fight site and, uh, and their podcasts. And, um, you know, uh, I thank everybody for the support. Uh, not going to go on it. Like I said, I've had my say. Done deal. Um you know, we'll move on. And, and like I said, did it matter to much? Nah, it didn't matter at all. But, uh, I just felt it needed to be said. And, uh, and I said it. So, 
And again, thank you everybody for who listened and uh, sent uh, sent your your thoughts on it, and I uh, appreciate it. And uh, I hope going forward that the people listening here, um, you stick with the show. And uh, please check out the back catalog. I've had Morasti, McIntyre, Joey Tedarenko, Clark Wilm, Roman Volpat, Josh Mazer, Chris Graff, on and on have been on the show. And I hope you, like I said, I hope you check out the back catalog. And uh, and going forward, I know, I mean, every day there seems to be a new podcast springing up. And, uh, you know, I, I'm thankful for my for my regular listeners and uh, and for any new ones that I can create. And, uh, and like I said, I know, uh, time is limited and there's only, and you know, and there's other things, you know, everybody has their, their kind of their podcast rotation that they're listening to. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy. I'm just thankful to be a part of your, uh, of your rotation. And, uh, you know, and like I said, I think I, I have some pretty cool guests, guests coming up in the fall. Um, as I said in the last episode, I have recorded with Paul Ferrone. That interview is done. I just need to edit it and put it all together. Like I said, had a bunch of computer issues that episode. Uh, all the audio seems to be there, uh, but it, some of it was, uh, we missed a couple spots and Paul wanted to go back and talk about a few things. And that was my fault on those because I, I should have had them timeline better. But, um, so it's sort of disjointed. So I want to cut it up and put it in the right areas. And like I said, just due to the length, I'm going to have to break it up into two parts. So I want to find uh, the right time to do that in the, in, in terms of listening. So it, it, you know, part two, it sort of seems together in part two. And, um, and yeah, so, um, I actually wanted to have that out today, but, uh, or on, yeah, today, but it didn't work out. So, and that's fine. I mean, whatever. And, uh, you know, just, an, uh, and Pete and I had talked, I was going to have actually have him on last week, but, um, he was out of town. So, um, it was the week before, I, you know, with holidays and everything, I've, everything's sort of jumbled together, but I've wanted to get Pete back on it for a while anyway, and the, uh, opportunity came up, and, uh, so I took it, so, um, so Paul Ferrone's interview will probably be next, like I said, it'll be two parts, it'll be next Wednesday and next Sunday, so, um, I would think, barring anything ridiculous, but, uh, but no, going forward this fall, I've talked to a number of guys on here, on, or on social media, and, uh, like anything, it's, uh, you know, we tentative plans to come on and, but plans change. I mean, I've had, you know, lots of go, oh yeah, sure thing, bro. And then you never hear from them again. So that's part that, you know, that's par for the course. So I don't want to start parroting names of who I've talked to in case it doesn't happen. But, uh, I have talked to some interesting dudes and a couple of guys that I know have never done podcasts before. So I think that'd be really cool to get their story out there for the first time. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. But like I said, please, uh, you know, if you're a friend of Pete's and this is the first time you're tuned in, because, oh, Pete Vandermeer is my favorite. And, um, well, like I said, welcome. Hope you stick with me and, uh, and, and put me in your regular rotation. So, but as I said, um, at the top of the show, I am a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows on the network and growing. Um, so whatever, also every NHL team is represented on the, on the network. So whatever team you're a fan of, there is a show for you. Um, for my off network friends, of course, I've got, uh, Alec over at the five for fighting Florida man and his mud show. And his new thing is he's going live in his Facebook group. Alex, I always call him Alex. I don't mean to. I, that's very rude. I apologize. Uh, Alec, I work with an Alex. So that's why I get him mixed up all the time. Alec, um, started the enforcer appreciation, uh, 
Facebook group a couple of years back. It's got over 13,000 members and uh, does a great, if you're on Facebook, I, I recommend joining the group. It's really cool. Um, yeah, people sharing videos and pictures and, and, uh, and all that stuff in there. So, uh, and also what Alec has just started doing is uh, live uh, Facebook shows uh, on Friday nights. And uh, the first one he had was Howie Rosenblatt was a guest. And then last, this past Friday was Sean Pete. Which was, uh, both were great, great interviews. I enjoyed both of them. I just wrapped up the Pete interview actually on my drive home today. Really funny dude. NASCAR pit crew guy. Uh, still looks like he's 19, jacked up. But, uh, he told some great stories and, uh, I highly recommend checking that out as well as Alex back catalog, Bia Lois, uh, Rob Ray, uh, Mike Segroy, Jacques Mayotte, on and on. Um, yeah, outstanding back catalog. So for sure check Alex show out. Um, yeah, and, and I think the, the live Facebook is, is a great idea. I always like the shows. I, I was pissed off because I couldn't get to the Pete when I was busy that night and I wanted to be in there live. Cause of course, as it's going live, you can type in like questions or whatever, right? So, um, I always like the ones where he doesn't have a guest though. Cause then, uh, Jay and I just sit there and shit talk Alec for the entire hour and a half that he's on in the comment section. <laughs> but, uh, but no, it's, it, he's done a, stumbled upon, uh, you know, a, a really good, I think, which is a really good idea. And I think we'll really, um, I think once people realize what's going on and stuff and, uh, maybe not so much in the summer cause people are out doing shit, but I think in the winter when it gets cold and people are kind of stuck inside, um, I think those Friday night chats will really start heating up and I think there'll be a lot of people in there and I think that could be a lot of fun. So, uh, definitely check that out. Um. Also, I'm coming up here shortly. We're gonna have I'm gonna have another tournament, minor league mayhem tournament. My favorite tournament, my minor league mayhem tournament. 64 of the minors, toughest guys. Get on Twitter if you're like, oh, I'm not on Twitter. Takes 10 seconds to sign up for Twitter. Just be the anonymous egg. Don't even worry about. It. Be one two three ABC uh, and follow Fourth Line Voice on Twitter just to vote. And every day we have a, a bunch of fights to vote on, and uh, we'll go through the bracket. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, but before I do that, I'm going to do a bracket preview show, and I'll have that mud show out in Florida. I'll get his fucking drunk ass. I mean, he gets into the moose head and starts talking stupid, but uh, whatever. We'll get him on the show, and uh, I'm, I'm going to try to do a, uh, a group. I've never had, like, added calls before, so, like, in a group chat, because I want I want to get Jay uh, and I, well, I want to get him on the show as well. Um, you know, cause they're kind of, they're two big minor league fans. So I think it'd be fun to get their perspective on the first round matchups and just general bullshit talk. I think it'll be fun. Um, we'll probably, hopefully I'll be recording that, uh, sometime this week, I hope. But, uh, anyway, who's the, oh yeah. I, how can I forget the other show? The Coliseum Chronicles with Joe Lazito. Give me the Lazito. Yeah. He, uh, just had his latest episode was Trevor Steenberg. He got on. And, uh, basically it just talks about, uh, playing the Islanders and, and that sort of thing. Um, I have down, I haven't had a chance to listen to it, but I will. I listen to all of Joe's stuff. Uh, it's downloaded, uh, for the truck tomorrow. So I will definitely be tuning in to that. Um, but Joe, again, tremendous back catalog. Like I said, it's an Islander enforcer, uh, podcast. So Bolton, Strudwig, uh, Aaron Asham, Mick Fakota. He's had all those cats on and, uh, Joe does a great job and, uh, yeah, and like I said, Joe's Joe's the uh, the local celebrity around Long Island. So, uh, you know, I'm still surprised he takes my calls, but he did. I uh, managed to fit me into his busy schedule. Um, you know, normally he has people that take care of that for him, 
but uh, I managed to talk to him the other night. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, but Joe's a big deal. You know, he's got his own merch, his face is out there and everything, uh, from pants to shirts to frisbees to, I don't know, hacky sacks to lacrosse balls. You want to hold Joe's balls? You can order them online. Yep. Joe, rubbers, pucks, Joe's face is there. Oh yeah, you name it. He's big on uh, big on Coney Island, Staten Island, but biggest on Long Island. That's what Joe always says. He's the biggest on Long Island. Yeah, <laughs> but definitely check out. Really looking forward to his uh, to his, his his series coming up here in the fall. Uh, former bus drivers uh, of Capital District uh, should be a real good one. Um, you know, uh, you gotta because that's Joe's gimmick, right? You gotta maintain the Islanders theme. Or minor league, or their Springfield, or Capital District, or what have you, or the lacrosse team there. What are they? The the New York. It's escaping me what the lacrosse team is, but uh, we'll get them on. And uh, I don't know, probably the. I'm sure there's a WNBA team that we'll talk to, and I don't know, Joe. Anything New York. It's a New York groove over there. I'm telling you, Joe does a bang up job. Joe's been around a long time because that's the other thing, um, you know. Joe's old. You know, hey, spade's a spade. We'll just call it the way it is. Joe's old. And, uh, but he's been back. He was around when they were doing the Bad Boys books. Uh, Stan Fischler helped him out on those. Remember those tough guy magazines that would come out once a year? Remember that? You'd race down to the magazine store every year. You were pumped when that came out. The tough guys episodes, there'd be full color pictures of the goons and, Oh, it was tremendous. Well, Joe was the guy in there doing the rankings. Remember when you'd read the rankings while you were sitting on this shitter and you kept thinking, who the fuck is the idiot that's doing these rankings? Well, that was Joe. Yeah. You won't believe, in all seriousness, you won't, back in the fried chicken fight site days, you won't imagine the amount of shit Joe took online over those ratings. Oh, tremendous. You think I give Joe shit? Oh, shit, no. Uh, This is lightweight, light stuff compared to, this is PG shit compared to what, uh, the R-rated shit Joe got called on fried chicken. You know, it wasn't me as far as Joe knows. So we'll we'll just leave it at that. But no, definitely check out Joe's show. Joe's a great guy. Um, yeah, all those guys, all those shows. Like I, um, like I was saying last week, um, you know, when you're a small, small-time creator, um, you know, when you kind of carve out your own niche, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's tough sledding, picking up... Uh, listeners and advertising and all that stuff so uh you know when i i throw these out every every week um i really hope some of you guys out there listen hey, you're like i'm not an islander guy you know i get it whatever but i would check out joe's show regardless i mean it's it's about the it's about the guest not about the team that he was on i mean you know yeah okay fakota or asham or whoever i mean they played for the islanders at one point but you know um and, and that's the thing when I when I met if you've never listened to Joe's show when I say Asham and Strudwick and stuff it's not just oh they only talk about when they were with the Islanders I mean it's their entire career so it you know um, so definitely uh, check that show out check Alex's show out and uh, you guys will not be disappointed but uh, speaking of social media if you want to be disappointed <laughs> social media is the place to go just be disappointed in humanity after reading that but if you're so inclined. Fourth Line Voice on Twitter, as well as Fourth Line Voice on Facebook. Uh, give me a, a follow or wh- what have you, and uh, check check it out. And uh, I'm always posting pictures and videos and 
and everything. Speaking of videos, my YouTube channel was still up. So far, so good. Um, uh, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. I have over 2,500 fights on there uh, from NH- from Junior to American League, OHL, NHL. You name the league, it's on there. Just go to the little search engine. I have everything sorted. Just type in whatever league you're looking for. Boom, they'll come up. So uh, I can't I can't recommend that uh, uh, that enough. Um, I'm trying. Like I said, we're in the pro. I always say this, but we're in the process of moving or trying to sell our condo anyway. So in doing that, we had cleared out a bunch of stuff, put it in storage, including my fight DVDs. So I don't have a lot of stuff here to upload. I did bring some DVDs. I'm slow. My wife's getting mad every time I go over to my parents' house or out to. I'm slowly bringing back like five and six DVDs at a time. So uh, yeah, I'll probably end up with my entire. The way friggin' the condo market is around here, I'll probably end up with my entire collection back here in no time. But um, yes, I will try to upload stuff. Um, like I said, once we get moved and them in our place, oh shit, I'll be I'll be banging up the uploads almost daily. But uh, until then, bear with me. I did add a couple new fights though this week. Um, I got the old uh, 94-95 Cornwall Aces disc was one of them. And picture clear quality. And I put a really good couple serves for Bearish fights up there. A fight in Scotty Walker, Johnny Baduke. Um, really good Reed Simpson fight. Yeah, definitely check that stuff up. Chris, and like I said, put it on for 1994. My AHL footage, that shit is crystal clear. Like it looks like film today. It was really good. So definitely check that out. But uh, how about I just shut up and stop yapping? Nobody tuned in to listen to me anyway. Um, anyway, guys, I will be back here yapping at you on Sunday. Um, for oh, Again, for the new listeners, if you don't know, I do two episodes a week. Uh, Wednesday is interview day, and then Sunday is my Sunday rant show, Shit Show Sunday, where, you know, I yap about whatever's topical, or uh, if I happen to find an old article that I think might be interesting, like last Sunday, I did, um, what was it now, what year, 99-2000, uh, Best in the East from the Western Hockey League, and Just it was an old newspaper article, talked about the top Voted on fighters and body checkers and that type of thing. And yeah, it's just, just shit like that. Actually, I'm going to try to find those tough guy magazines and I'll do, uh, I'll do the ratings for all, all these years later that Joe took shit on. Um, uh, maybe I'll throw those out, uh, for a couple episodes and then we can all collectively, uh, get on Twitter and yell at Joe as, as a collective. I, you know, I think that, I think it, the world needs that right now, you know, straighten Lazito out, I'll tell you. But, uh, Tune in Sunday. You never know what's going to happen. But let's get on with things. Here is my uh, discussion of the Pete Vandermeer's five toughest opponents. And I'll talk to you guys on Sunday. Thanks, everybody. All right, here on the fourth line voice, a returning guest in the in the, in the ongoing series, five toughest opponents. And with this gentleman, that's going to cover a lot of ground. There's a lot of a lot of folks that could be on this list. Uh, it's none other than Pete Vandermeer. Pete, how are you doing tonight? Really good, Darren. How are you doing? Excellent. Very good. Thank you very much for coming back on the show. No, nope, my pleasure. It's, it's great to come on and chat, listen to your stuff all the time, and it's it's pretty cool. Like I think I said the last time we chatted, there, you know, it's it's funny to see how much of uh, how much of the stuff that a guy went through is kind of it's similar to what a lot of other guys went through, and just kind of way they approach things, and you know, it's it's just kind of it's cool just to kind of chat. Get the old memory banks rejogged a little bit because sometimes they're not all there. 
Well, there, yeah, exactly. Well, there you go. And uh, for those listening, if you'd like to go, I highly encourage you, if you have not already, to go back and check out my my back interview that Pete and I did, uh, where we cover his entire career. I believe, I believe, uh, off the top of my head, it's episode sixty seven. And uh, yeah, and we we covered it all right from uh, from junior to to the end, and uh, it was quite the quite the journey. But uh, today we're going to break it down even more. And uh, your five toughest guys. Now I'm sure it came up while we were talking the different guys here, but uh, you know maybe we'll go a little more in depth on each guy today. But uh, as I said, some guys have done it different. It's like the five toughest at different points in their career. Some were just the five toughest they ever fought. I mean, however you want to do it is however you want to do it. But uh, we'll, we'll we'll get into it. Uh, who's number five on your list, there, Pete? Well. Like you say, it's like I did that stuff for a long time, you know, four years of junior and 15 years of pro, and Jesus, throw another 10 years of senior hockey on there, which hasn't been too scrappy, but lots of, lots of different guys played against and that stuff too. But, um, num- you know, the thing I always found about fighting, like everybody matches up different against different guys, eh? and, yep. you know, it's really hard to, to rank everything, you know. I know you've been part part of doing things and some of the other guys some of the other podcasts are like you know ranking the top 50 top 100 of whatever league or, or all time and all that and i think it's really hard for the biggest reason just everybody matches up different against different guys like you could knock some guy out and then the guy that he knocked out knocks you out right like yeah everybody's different different sizes different ages all that jazz but anyways enough of me yapping um my number five like the guy that probably didn't fight a whole bunch, and I only fought him once, but I put him as my number five in my top five because he knocked me the fuck out. And it's DJ Smith, like the, the coach of Ottawa Senators now. Like, okay. I'm known for a big tough guy or anything like that, but one night in Philly, I went and picked the fight, and I had him right where I wanted him. He was going to get it, and he hit me with just a little jab, and it turned my power button off. And I stood there looking at him, my arms dropped, and he just filled me in, beat the shit out of me, right down to my knees. If I was smart, I'd go down, but I was just in such shock that he hit my off button or whatever it was that I knew I was in trouble. And I stood there, and he pounded me into the ice. And the next thing I remember, I'm sitting in the penalty box, and my trainer, uh, Chris Felix, the old cat, El Gato, was sitting beside me. I said, what the fuck are you doing in here? What are you doing sitting beside me? Pistol, we gotta go. You're hurt. Fuck you, I'm hurt. I'm okay. I'm going back kicking the shit out of that guy. Nope. You're done. And I was done. And I never got a chance to get back at him. But that's why I give uh, DJ Smith my number five. Does that make any sense? Well, well, if he knocked you out, I'd say that was one of your toughest fights. Yeah, for sure. Did you know, like, did you know who he was before you fought him? Yeah, like, he he had, like, okay family minutes, but he wasn't a tough guy, like, uh, you know, I shouldn't say not a tough guy, but he wasn't going out there all the time. He, he was a steady Eddie defenseman there playing for St. John's there with the with Maple Leafs uh, farm team. Yep. And, you know, was a good-sized guy, not a monster, not little, like just a steady, you know, guy. And, you know, they're probably number four, five defensemen at the time. And uh, we were down by a couple goals. I finally got on the ice, like, oh, stir up some shit. And I did, and that's what happens when you go looking for it. Sometimes you find it. And yeah, well, to well, there you go. Uh, I know we probably, I probably asked you this on the past episode, but, uh, you know, for the sake of the new listeners and, you know, for, for right now, were you, um, uh, were you a video guy? Did you watch a lot of video on guys? 
like a little bit, but but not a not a ton. You know, like well, in junior there really wasn't very yeah. much. And the first few years I played pro, you know, was in in the coast and getting my way into the American League. There really wasn't a lot of video, you know, that you could get a hold of in the first place. And for the most part, as I fought, like my whole deal was more reactionary, more of a feel fighter anyways like everybody i fought was was bigger than me for the most part so i just had to get inside guys and just feel what they're doing with their bodies and, and kind of react to that switch and not get hit and, you know get them with some stingers and get out of the way and you know try to get guys worn down and and make the fights go longer and the longer they went the better they went for me sort of deal so uh video was it was always there especially at at the end not so much at the start of my career but even when we had access to all kinds of stuff on the internet, like I, I didn't like preparing too much, if that makes any sense, because I, yeah. it was a more of a feel thing for me. And, and as I got older, guys were coming for me. I wasn't going for them. So, you know, that's just kind of how it worked for me anyways. And again, everybody's different. Everybody matches up different. So for me, it was just, uh, it was just more of taking it how it came. Did, uh, did you do anything with your jerseys? Did you do any modifications? Not really very much. Just um, when I was younger, you could still get out of your gear before they brought the old Raw Brady stuff in. And my first couple of years, like on the coast, I'd just get out of it. I'd just shrug and get out of it. So I'd always have a little bit bigger jersey. You know, I think once in a while, like, uh, you know, a goalie cut. But most of the time, just, you know, a little bit bigger than what I should be wearing. And at that time, too, like, we wore so many jerseys and, um, you know, for promotional stuff or, like, every holiday, every, you know, Everybody had all these different jerseys that you wear, and they're usually really crappy quality. So, like, they just they tear and rip rip apart if you really wanted to get out of them. If you're in a bad spot, you could usually just lean back, and the neck would rip, or 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 that sort of stuff with those cheaper ones. But you know, getting the American League and the NHL and all that, you know, that kind of went away. But I'd always cut my tie down through a little bit, like halfway through. So, same thing if you could. If you needed to get out of it and you're in a bad spot, you could really reef backwards and, and your tie down would rip and you could get out of your jersey. and Then you wouldn't get suspended, right? Because when they brought the Rob Ray stuff in, if you got out of your jersey, you got automatic game misconduct, right? Yep. So, but if your tie down ripped and was still attached like to your pants, you couldn't, they couldn't throw you out. It was, uh, you know, equipment malfunction. Even if the refs kind of were wise to you, they'd, there's nothing they could do. So that was the only real modification I ever did was, was, uh, you know, cut the tie down through a little bit just to kind of compromise its integrity. So if you need it out, you could get out. And sometimes you had to because the boys kept getting bigger and bigger for some strange reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, we got the uh, DJ Smith. So number four. Yeah. Number four, I'd have to go with, with the boogeyman. Rest in peace to big Derek Bugard. He was, uh, he was a handful, and I'm, I'm really lucky that I got him when he was he was young. I mean, he really didn't have everything figured out yet in the American League and in Houston. He was playing there, and geez, he was just he was so big and so strong. Even though he really didn't have it all put together quite yet, and and there's just he's in my top five because you know for a while he was number one in the whole world too. He was a huge man and did his job pretty good, but it took him a little while to figure things out and. And I'm, again, I'm really glad he didn't have it figured out when I, you know, got the chance to tangle with him because I was a big, big, strong man. 
Yeah, like, I mean, for a guy your size, uh, like, legitimately, how tall are you? 6'1". 6'1". So, probably, yeah, and I played at, you know, 210 to 220 is where, where I played for, you know, from the time I was 21 to 36, right? So, yeah, and yeah, giving up seven inches and a whole, a whole bunch of weight to, to a strong kid, like, yeah, it was just... If you could get a few swats in him, that was great, but I know I wasn't hurting him, and I knew if he hit me with one of those jackhammers, that was it, lights out, but he never did knock me out or really get a good get a good punch in on me, but not that I put any damage onto him either, that's for sure. Yeah, like, I can't, I can't even imagine fighting someone that tall, like, how, like, that knows what they're, like, yeah, like, as a fighter, like, just, I guess you just get inside and just kind of get in close and hope for the best? Well, if you start hoping, you're fucked. You got to know <laughs> what you're doing too, right? It, it is get inside and just keep your head up and look where it's coming from and get the fuck out of the way. And and like I taught lots of guys that, that I played with and even kids now, like your head's built to deflect shit. If you're looking straight at things, it doesn't take much of a movement of your head to get out of the way of things. But as soon as you turn your head or you try to get out of the way of something, like by averting your eyes or turning your head to the side that's when you get hurt that's when you get punched in the temple that's when you get hit in the side of the jaw and that's where that's when bad things happen right yeah if you look straight into the straight into the monster's eyes like you can usually get out of the way enough sometimes it doesn't matter what you do you're going to get plowed but most of the time if you're aware of yourself and you slow things down then then you usually be in a good spot but against the guys that's the thing once boogie figured it out like it didn't matter I, I wouldn't have been able to fight him when when he got it figured out, and he was knocking guys out in the show. He would have he would have he would have broke me. I got him when he was young, so he didn't really have to figure out how to string guys out, use his strength, and and really really put the hammer down. And again, I'm glad I I got him when he was young, and you know one of the few guys that you know say they did that and came away pretty unscathed. So I only fought him a handful of times, but they were. Uh, they were, they were huge momentum turners for our team every time it did because, right, like, that's the man up and coming, and I'm the size I am, and if I don't get killed by a guy like that, well, geez, you won even if you didn't win. Well, that just, makes any sense? Yeah, well, it's just the visual, the visual of it, right? Yeah, the optics of it alone, you've won. Yeah. Yeah, get your, get your crowd going, get your boys going. And yeah, hopefully he didn't hit him too hard so that he's pissed off so he wants to kill you again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, number three. Well, number three, I'll go back to a guy that is actually playing with with Derek Bugard at the time. It was Big John Erskine. Yeah. Big lefty. Holy shit! I was more spooked to him than 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 Bugard for sure. Like John was just he was quiet. And he didn't fight like lots, but when he fought, he kicked the shit out of guys. Like he was strong and again lefty. I actually played with him in Hershey for a while too after I played against him. And uh, there was one night in uh, the lockout year, I was playing in Grand Rapids for Detroit's team, and both Bugard and Erskine were playing in Houston for Minnesota's team. And during that lockout year, we played a lot of games in the big teams' barns. They'd fly us around and get big crowds because the NHL was off. So we, if they could bring uh, some American League teams in, their prospects, and fill up the big barn, then 
you know, teams are willing to make a little bit of money that way. So, so one night we played, uh, played Houston, Grand Rapids, played Houston in, in Minnesota, uh, in, in, in the Wilds barn there. And it was a sold out barn and I fought Bugard and I hit him a couple times and actually did pretty good and didn't get throttled. And big John came over and tapped on the glass and said, we're going when you get out of here. I'm like, Oh fuck, I'm dying already. Totally exhausted from fighting the six, eight monster and got out and fought Johnny right after that. And holy shit, that was the longest fight I've ever been in. And I think I had a heart attack after that. It was so long, good, long fight, but uh, John was tough to deal with because he was, you know, not, a, not a monster like some of the killers, but he was still six, two, six, three, two twenty, and really knew what he was doing and mean and left-handed and, love doing it when he when he did go and yeah he's tough and i got to play with him you know a year was that a year or two after that and yeah i really saw him destroy guys too and then after about halfway through that year he was in washington for the rest of his playing career playing the nhl and just a great guy but a real tough guy to fight that's for sure yeah i'm trying to think who i just had on the show well a few guys have said on the show but it was just uh, damn, who was it now? Anyway, yeah, we were just basically talking about Erskine and how how really underrated he is. I think he a lot of people overlook him, and it's uh, yeah, like you said, when when it was time to go, I mean, Erskine was vicious, man. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, Cam Jansen. It was Cam Jansen who I had on, okay. we were, and we were talking about Erskine, and he was just like he said the same thing you said, like just man, that dude hit man. <laughs> it was brutal. <laughs> Yeah, and he probably played against him in junior too, so he saw him yep. all the way up like that too, and and yeah, that's pretty good, you know, rating right there. Like, Johnny's one of the toughest guys there that's ever done that job too, right? So, yeah, John was. I, I think he got overlooked for being super tough because he didn't he didn't fight a lot. Like he wasn't going out and putting up three hundred minutes a year in the minors mm-hmm. or or in the show or anything like that. Like he'd he get a hundred and twenty or hundred and forty or hundred and fifty but they'd be all fighting majors. You know, like, he played steady like a 5-6 D-man in the NHL and played nothing flashy, but he was just out there, and, like, everybody knew he was out there. You always were aware, because if anything went down, he was coming, and that left was a hammer. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I was a big Erskine fan, and, yeah, that's, uh, that's a bad dude right there. Okay, yeah, that's, I mean, that's unreal, though. I mean, just think, him and Boogie on the same team, like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, and then John Scott was, was yeah. coming up on their team, too. The three yeah. of those guys. Yeah. And Matt Cassian, too. Yeah, well, yeah, and, I and I think, right, and Riley Emerson. It's like, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, they had the thing cornered on guys 6'5 and over. Like, <laughs> like, like yeah. I don't know. I don't know who the wild scouts were at the time, but it was like, holy shit. Is it just like pick the toughest guy that's over six foot five in the draft? Yeah, but uh, man, oh man, yeah. Um, was that number three? Yeah, so number two, number two, I'll go with uh, another like a minor league legend, old Serge Robert. <laughs> yeah, I, I played against Serge. Uh, I played in the United League. I signed a deal with Rochester in the American League and got. They sent me to Binghamton for for a weekend. You know, one of those weekends that's really 65 games, one of those kind of weekends. Yeah, yeah. So I, so I go to the U-Haul, and, you know, I, I really had no idea what to expect in the U-Haul, and I, 
I get sent to Binghamton, which is just a lovely place in the first place, but playing in Binghamton in the U-Haul on a team that had no toughness at all. And our closest, uh, you know, our closest road game, our closest team to us was, was Utica. I think they're Mohawk Valley Prowlers or something down to, I don't know what they called them. Yep. But uh, Dave, Dave the Hammer Schultz was coaching and, and Serge and Mario were both playing on that team, Robert and, and I fought Serge, I bet you, well, at least 10 times that year. And I learned how to fight men and professionals by fighting Serge that many times that year. It was, it was nuts. Just learned and learned and learned every time I fought him. He was so strong and so technical. He wasn't a very good hockey player, but he was, he was good at fighting. And, and every night in that league, every, every team had three, four, five, six guys. And it was just me on our team. So, I learned a lot that year. I think I had damn near 40 majors that year, and, and a bunch of them were against Serge, and, and he never hurt me real bad, and I never hurt him real bad, but we had some of the longest, best technical fights I've ever been a part of in my life, and I learned so much from that guy. It was crazy. But yeah, he's number two for sure. Wow, yeah, I know. I had Mike McWilliam on the show way back when. He was talking, when he fought Serge Robert, he said, Serge tied me up so good that when the fight was over, he had to go to the the locker room and get cut out of his jersey because he couldn't oh, get I back. Believe out, it. Yep. Couldn't get back out of it. Yeah, yeah, it was it was nuts. He'd have, and and I was learning and getting pretty good at what I at my my craft at that time too, and so it was just counter after counter after counter and switching a hundred times and you know it it was the fight just went on forever because. Serge always got better as his fights went on. And I always, you know, kind of prided myself on that sort of stuff too. So they just, they didn't end. And both guys are like, I'm not going down. You're not going down. Just keep going to like the refs are they're like, are you guys fucking done yet? Nope. Keep going. Keep going. Okay, how about now? Nope. It would just, they would just go on forever. And, and it was, it was just like going to school. It was, it was amazing to, uh, to get a chance to scrap, to scrap him like that and having, Dave Schultz yelling and screaming, he's going to kill me on his with his cowboy boots <laughs> between every period. It was it was something else in that barn. A lot of fun. The, yeah, Mohawk Valley versus the BC Iceman. Here we come on a Saturday night. Vandy and Serge. Um, yeah. Did um, now because it was funny because I just had a Cornwall DVD I was watching the other night and I had uploaded a few Serge Robert fights onto my YouTube channel. He fights John Baduke and Scott Walker and those guys. And it was interesting watching him. Um, yeah, like you said, he's such a technician. And he's sort of, uh, it's like wrestle, wrestle, wrestle. And then all of a sudden he like wraps off four real fast ones. And then it's wrestle, wrestle, wrestle for about 20 seconds. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, let's go toe-to-toe for a bit. And then it's like the punch-in-the-face contest for about three or four, you know. And then tie up again. And yeah, it's just like... Uh, and with lefts and rights, and I mean, you probably swear he had three arms by the time he was done, but it's just like, yeah, man, like, oh, like you said, I mean, that's like, uh, that's like the master class right there. Yeah, exactly. And then, and just learning and finding that spot inside you to keep going when you're totally like tired out, when you're hurt, when you're, you know, you can't, don't think you can go anymore. Like, oh, I can go a little bit more. Oh, I can go a little bit more. And then when you go and fight other guys that aren't, like that well then you wind up just wearing them down and and same thing looking like a 
you know, rock star just because you outlast them, right? Yeah. And you you have to go through that shit in order to learn how to do that. You just don't don't show up or watch a video and go, oh yeah, I can do that now. You know, you gotta you gotta live that shit and and bleed it and sweat it to figure it out, sort of deal. Now, was Serge was it more just taking the abundance of punches, or could did he have power? Like, did his power oh, yeah. scare you? And, and well, he was older too. Like he was near the end of his. Like he was in his mid thirties, and I was, you know, twenty one, twenty two, and you know, a big name, and you're in the minors, you know, like that kind of deal. And so you're a little spooked to the power. Yeah, he he hit me a few times. Like, holy shit, there's got some mustard behind him. Those little kind of quick jabby ones were. They had some stank behind him, right? <laughs> Do you ever fight Mario? I never did. No, I was just I was too busy playing with Serge all fucking day long. I never got a chance <laughs> to play with Mario. <laughs> there you go. Actually, it's funny. I was just talking to a guy. I'm uh, I'm looking on. I should have those fights here. I'm getting uh, three hours of the BC Iceman video coming here, so uh, we're gonna be able to check out the Vandy Roberts battles here pretty quick. I'll send you a copy. Well, I think it's got. I your, would love your, that. It's basically your fight tape. Forget the rest of the well, team. It it's is. just it's, you. <laughs> it is like we had one other guy, Dougie Johnson, on, and he was my roommate, and I love the guy to death. He's from Climax, Saskatchewan. That beauty. There you I go. Always remember, like who who's from Climax, Dougie Johnson. <laughs> but but anyways, he, like Dougie was you know, our, one of our defensemen, and he like he could fight but not against the the big, big boys, but he was the only guy, like, he would go into scraps knowing for sure he was fucked and would do it anyways. Like, that, I always thought that took way bigger balls than the shit that I did going into things knowing I'd do okay. That doesn't take big balls, but going into stuff knowing you're you're going to wind up on the bad end of it. And he did her. He was the only guy that would, would scrap against a lot of those. And every, like I said, every team in that league yeah. had so many guys, like, it was just like like most games I didn't last first period. And I was trying to play too. Like I thought I was a player at the same time for some stupid reason. But you know, trying to get back to the American League and you know, didn't really wanna to, wanna to be at that level, but it was a great learning experience all the way through. But but yeah, that year it was me and Dougie Johnson and and it would be just about all me those on that fight that year anyways, that one year. They had other guys in other years, but but that year was it was a long year. <laughs> yeah. I, I laugh because it, it, it's like a DVD. It's it's in brackets three hours. Then you look at the fight list. It's just your name the whole way. Yeah, it's pretty. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. But Serge Roberts, yeah, there you go, number two. Uh, well, here we are. Who's the number one guy on the toughest opponents for Pete Vandermeer? Rocky fucking Thompson. There. <laughs> Rocky beat my ass from the time I was. 17 years old until I was about 35 years old playing against like him and Jeremy were in medicine hot my first year and uh, in maybe the second year in red deer. But yeah, every, when we play them, you know, exhibition, play them 10, 12 times in regular season, then play them and play off, you know, like, and Rocky's just, I could not beat Rocky, but I'd have to fight and I'd have to fight Rocky and he'd fucking hand me my lunch all the way until, the very last time I fought Rocky, I got the best of him in Grand Rapids. But two weeks before that, we played. This was uh, the same year I was talking about where uh, the lockout year, Edmonton moved their team. They had the Roadrunners in Edmonton at Northlands for that one year. Yep. And uh, I was playing in Grand Rapids for Detroit's team, and we got to play two games in, in Edmonton. Sold out crowd. 
the only time I played, you know, pro hockey anywhere close to home. So there was, you know, bus loads of people coming from Red Deer, Sylvan Lake, Caroline, Rocky Mountain House, and everybody I knew was in the stands. Cost me thousands of dollars to, to get everybody in the barn. And, uh, played them the first night, and like I know I got to fight Rocky. Everybody's talking about it the whole time, eh? Like, when are you rocking a fight? When are you rocking a fight? And so yeah, end of the we didn't fight the first game, the second game, end of a shift, and it's getting in, you know, second half of the third period. I'm probably not going to be out there again. Okay, let's go. And he fucking handed me my lunch right in front of friends and family and my kids even, I think. Yeah, everybody. <laughs> and Rocky beat the shit out of me again. But I got him two weeks later in, down in Grand Rapids, and I actually got the best of him for once. I'm 1-99 against Rocky. He beat me up for parts of three decades. So he is for sure number one. He's just... He was good at it from a young age and, you know, had the, had the temperament, the mentality. He was good at it, liked doing it and was fucking tough as nails. Both hands coming at you and yep. Rocky Thompson for sure. Number one. Old Chuck and Duck. Yeah. The old left-handed, the hair flying. And, um, were you, were you surprised that he didn't get more time in the NHL? I really, really am. Cause he was as tough as it came. Like, I know there was years in the in the American League where he really didn't fight that much because nobody would go near him. Yeah, you know he'd have to go hunting for it. Like he was the guy, and because he was the guy playing defense, nobody came anywhere fucking near him as a regular player. You know, other tough guys that that wanted a piece, you know, would you know try to hit him and stuff. But ninety percent of the guys in the ice wouldn't come within twenty five feet of him. So he fucking did good like he moved the puck well he saw the saw the game well you know was he was a decent player like he wasn't just you know the crazy guy that everybody sees you know in the calgary you know called up you know to the flames and stuff and go looney tunes he was that guy too but he was actually a pretty damn good player because he had so much room oh yeah i know exactly and uh yeah, I was always, I was, as a fan, like, I was always a big fan of Rocky anyway, but yeah, as a fan, it was always kind of, it kind of bugged me that, especially at that time, I think looking back on it, if I remember it, Calgary really didn't have anyone either. Like, it wasn't like, oh, they had this real tough team. Like, not really. And I mean, and it's like, why are you not keeping this guy up? And then, like, he actually really took it to Stu Grimson the one night. And like, that's when Stu was sort of like, regarded as one of the top guy in the league at the time. And like, Rocky just tuned him and it was just like and then you get rid of him it's like come on like I and even then okay not in Calgary but like some team can't use I don't know I never understood it I I don't know yeah there was a lot of other guys that you know that the whole the whole time like through the the late 90s and you know the 2000s and stuff in the 2010s where I was playing and saw every tough guy come through the American League like Rocky was as tough or tougher than than ninety nine percent of them, and he could play too. So, like, why the fuck wouldn't you have him? Like, I don't, I never understood why he didn't get a better chance. I know, like, maybe through his through his prime, he had a lot of uh, you know loyalty to Calgary for them, you know, drafting him or signing him and all that sort of stuff. But, and I understand that too. Like, you want to you know be good to the, your team that like, took the chance on you, but when they don't you know, give you the opportunity. I, I really don't know why he, he didn't get a chance ahead of a lot of other guys that I saw that did get a chance. Lots of guys got a chance to go and stay 
and he just got you know little auditions and then see you later back to the American League. But yeah, yeah, that's who knows what. Hey, if you you can tell me what the hell NHL GMs are thinking on a day to day basis, I'll I'll give you a couple of kids for sure because nobody knows what the hell they're thinking. No. I don't think they know what they're thinking half the time. No, exactly. But oh yeah, I mean, got just the name Rocky. Long hair. I mean, that's like a PR dream right there. Just you know, I mean, I don't know. You could have marketed the shit out of that guy, but uh, you yeah, know, he's got the personality for the, it. Maybe that's the thing, though, too. Like being in the Canadian market, where down south, like that's what sold the game to all the southern places yeah. was the violence in the first place. You know, wherever the East Coast League and the Central League, and you know, all all the different leagues in the lower levels, like that's what drew hockey to the south in the first place it wasn't goal scoring and and big glove saves by goalies it was the scraps that's the old, scraps and cheap beer that's what brought it in and then everybody got a little bit more educated for sure but but it'd be a market he'd be a marketing dream anywhere but especially in the south maybe maybe because it was oh this is canada and we don't we don't condone the violence even though we love it we're not putting it on the cbc like it's a good thing down south, he probably would have done great anywhere. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Now, I was going to ask you before, uh, like I said, I won't keep you for very long, but uh, uh, was there a guy that you fought? Um, yeah, going back, kind of, I, I know I kind of asked you earlier a little bit with the DJ thing, if he surprised you, but was there a guy that, I don't want to say you didn't think, you know, you thought whatever, was there a guy going into the fight, you're like, I'm going to kick this guy's ass? And then all of a sudden it was like, holy shit, like, you know, and he surprised you? Well, that happened a lot. That happened well, a lot. yeah. Because you go in thinking, like, if you don't if you don't go in thinking you're going to kill somebody, then you're fucked already. So, or for, I, for me anyways, like, I always had to go in whether I was straight up lying to myself or I knew it. Like, I knew I was going to win every fight I was in. Didn't always work out that way, but at the start of them I always saw it that way. But there's a couple guys that just spring to mind here just, asking that question off the top of my head um eric nielsen like yep. he was in peoria i thought oh he's like kind of the same size as me i'm gonna fucking destroy this guy we had great fights first fight went like long got rolling around the ball at the end like holy shit like that was more than i thought and then we fought a bunch of times after that and another one was uh brandon Prusk. i know the first time i fought him I think probably in Omaha or maybe in Quad Cities. He was, no, he was in with Calgary anyways. And I thought, same thing. Guys like my size, I'm going to destroy you. And wind up being a real technical, tough scrapper too. And had good battles with Presti, really good battles. And and then wound up playing with him later on in career. And like, and because he was a good player too. So yeah, those are two guys that right away jump, jump off the, off the page for me anyways. Now, now, Okay, you don't have to answer this, but I just, you know, you don't want to. But it, was there a guy that you were always sort of like you never had a good fight with? Like you always wanted to get him, but it just never either he kind of he'd jump you or he'd turtle. Or there was some reason. Was there any guy you just couldn't stand that you just never got a chance to beat the shit out of? Sean McMorrow. Number one, always jump you. Always jump you. And then go away like he he won the belt and shooting the lights out and then yeah just uh i couldn't stand him and most guys that we do this do the same job like we all 
know each other, wound up getting to know each other over the course of years and years, and you go for beers with them all the time. I never went for a beer with that guy. Maybe he's a great guy off the ice. Maybe he's a douchebag. I don't know, but on the ice, I couldn't stand him, and he would never fight me straight up. And he's huge, too. He's not a little guy. No, he's like, big. Yep. He would never fight me straight up, and he always drove me nuts. And then I wound up going out west, like I was in different conference. I'd only play once in a while. And, yeah, it was always a jump from behind or cross-check in the back of the side of the head. And then it would be in a ball, and that would be it. And then he'd be going off the ice and make sure he told the ref to piss off a few times so he got thrown out of the game and so he could never get back at him. Like, he drove me crazy. <laughs> well, there, there you go. There, there, there's That solves that question. There you go. But, uh, well, there we go. The, uh, the, t- the top five of Pete Vandermeer. That's a hell of a list, man. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, oh, I was going to ask you when, uh, another one, when you guys were kind of warming up and, you know, you're cruising the red line or whatever, who was the, who was the biggest yapper trash talker? Oh, fuck bones for sure. Dennis Bonby. No, a good buddy of mine too, but yeah, all the time to everybody. That was his say. He'd have everybody so fucking worked up and worried about him. He was he was really good at it. And we're buddies too, and he's still chirping me like fuck bones. We're gonna go. I'll stick you. Like he wanted to. He'd push it right to the limit, eh? Where he'd have both teams standing three feet on the other side of each red line, and you know, forever there's no refs out there, right? So like one little thing would go and it turn into a powder keg, right? But yeah, bones always cause shit like you read about. And then, and then Frankie, eh? Frankie the animal, Frankie by Lois. He just he he spooked everybody because he'd be doing push ups and sit ups on your side of the red line and stealing pucks and shooting pucks at people and he wouldn't really be chirping guys. He'd just be intimidating the shit out of three quarters or ninety percent of your team because he he was the animal. But but Bones for sure the chirping. He he'd always get everybody wound up. And he'd talk to goalies, he'd talk to goal scorers, talk to scrappers, he'd yap at coaches, he he just, he had words and lines for everybody. And his freaking down east accent pissing everybody off. But he's a good shit, but he did his job very, very well, because everybody was thinking about him, not thinking about what they needed to do to get ready for games. <laughs> Were you ever around Link Gates? No, never, ever. That's probably a good thing. Like I, you know, everybody's heard all the stories, but I and I played in every league that there is, but I never come across Link. I've come across tons of guys that have, but I have no, I don't have any good Link stories, and I, I kind of wish I did, <laughs> but I kind of, I'm kind of glad I don't do. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, there we go. Um, well, again, hey, I, like I said, I won't take up too much of your time. I really appreciate you coming back on, though. This is great. Um, certainly, hopefully, this won't be the last time I'll have you on. Um, off to, uh, could definitely, uh, like I said, with your with your career and the fight card you had, I mean, we we could definitely do uh, parts uh, three, four, and five. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, lots of time in the trenches. That's for sure. Lots of good, lots of good times too. But thank you very, very much for having me on again. And yeah, anytime you want, or just shoot the shit. Give me a call. I'm always around. Thank you very much, Darren. Absolutely, appreciate it. Have a good night, man. Thanks, you too. Thank you.
And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 